0: hallelujah in hallelujah unto the lord shout a living hallelujah unto the lord father we bless your name we give you praise we give you glory we give you honor father we are here in celebration of what you have done you are the reason for this season the reason we are alive The reason we are gathered here today as your church, we bless your name, we magnify you, and we ask, Father, that nothing shall be said here that you have not allowed, that you have not decreed. Father, we put a resistance upon the atmosphere to anything that will cause confusion, to anything that will cause fear, to anything that will cause guilt, to anything that will cause doubt. Everyone here shall stand with their head up high, shall walk knowing that you, O Lord, are the one that has filled them with righteousness, filled them with glory, and filled them with power. Father, there is one thing we desire, one thing we shall lift our eyes up to, that you shall flood us with revelation until nothing else matters. Until nothing else matters. Someone just say after me, Father, I am here for you. I am here for your word. My heart is open to the flowing of your word. Let there be a release of the rivers of living water that everything that shall be done here today shall be to your glory. You said, out of their bellies shall flow forth rivers of living water. Father, my belly is here. Let there be a release of the flow of living water in the name of Jesus. If you believe that you are a candidate, just lift up your voices and thank the Lord. Oh, Father, you are worthy. Father, you are worthy. We bless your name. You alone are the one who is called Savior. Savior. That was your mission. Father, let anyone here who is in darkness, in any area, whether it be in the mind, in the thoughts, let them experience salvation. No one here, oh Lord, came here of their own accord. You said, Anyone that is with you, it is your Father that has given them unto you. So, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would do what you alone can do. Father, these are lips of clay, these are jars of clay. The content, O Lord, that is of worth is you. So, Father, we ask that only you shall be heard. Only you shall be seen. Only your light, O Lord, would flow forth in power. And only glory shall be seen. Because your church is a church of glory. Your church is a church of light. Your church is a church of power. Your church is a church that is on the rise. On the rise. On the rise. Someone just say it. I am filled with power. I am filled with authority. I am filled with glory. Glory is not far from me. Glory is within me. He said, Christ in you. Christ in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Say, the hope of glory dwells in me. And that glory shall be revealed. Please, you might all be seated in the presence of the Lord. Jesus is Lord. Someone say that again. Jesus. Now, make it personal. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Amen. Amen. It is such a privilege and a honor to be here in the presence of the saints of the living God. The holy ones. The powerful ones. The mighty ones. I'd like to honor our pastor for this privilege to share the word in this church. Um, you know, he's a man that uh, serves the Lord at all times. Like yesterday, our, our brother did a very awesome job with the word. Uh, you would have been proud. <laughs> and we bless the Lord. The loss of all things. I'd like to honor the leadership. Uh, I'd like to honor you, my brothers and my sisters. Turn to your neighbor and say you are clothed in glory. The light of God dwells in you. And there is nothing as sweet to be called your brother, your sister, whatever it is. Just Yes. There is nothing as sweet to know that when Christ is revealed, we all will be clothed in the glory of Christ. And we all will shine like the stars. And there is nothing as beautiful as knowing that the person by your side would be there. Yeah. Because their faith is not in themselves, but in Christ. Amen. The excellency of the knowledge of Christ. The excellency of the knowledge of Christ. As I, I, I shared earlier on, our brother, um, Mr. Eric, did an awesome job in teaching us what it means to lose all things. The loss of all things. So it is not just the loss of the good or those things that we think make us to be proud. But the loss of even those things that we might be ashamed of. I thought that was significant. Today we'll be teaching to gain Christ. To gain Christ. I think the Lord was leading our pastor to say the loss of all things to gain Christ. I wonder what tomorrow is going to be. (laughs) (laughs) Let's all open our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. From verses 7 to 9. We'll just be reading the core <clears throat> scripture and then we we'll go from there. Philippians chapter 3, from verses 7 to 9. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish. Some will say dung. And uh, a much more contemporary word will be sewage. So that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Now, the topic that we'll be talking about today, to gain Christ. Before I start, I'd like to ask, what is Christ? What is Christ? Now, that word in itself means the anointing or the anointed one. The anointing or the anointed one. And it actually is the same thing as Messiah. For the Hebrews, Messiah would be the transliteration in English. For the Greek, Christ, Christos, would be the transliteration. But you don't need all that. Who is Christ? Who is Christ? Now, when you think about Christ, the first thing that comes to mind is that there was someone who came here to the earth. He saw mankind and he came that man might be delivered. But who is that person, the name of that person called Christ, called Jesus? Now, Christ was the father who came forth to reveal himself to man. In other words, the father formed a new creation by becoming that new material for the new man. He was the raw material for the new man. Now when you look at Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says this. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty god eternal father prince of peace eternal father prince of peace in other words the father said I am coming to save mankind, but to save them. I am not just going to send messengers as I have sent prophets. I am going to come myself, but how am I going to do it? I am going to release my being into a womb of a woman that that person that comes forth from that woman will become the savior of mankind. And he called him Jesus. So Jesus is God in a man god in the man the father in the man second corinthians chapter 5 verse 19. second corinthians chapter 5 verse 19 says this that god was in christ reconciling the world to himself god was in christ It was God, the Father that was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So when you see Jesus saying, I and the Father are one. He was basically trying to say, I and the Father are one and the same. But I have come as a new Christian. Because a man fell, another man had to come to regain what was lost. So why did he have to come in the form of a man? To fulfill the scriptures. Because it was written in Genesis chapter 3 that it is the seed of the woman that will crush the head of the serpent. Number two, who is Christ? The Gospel of John calls this new creature Christ, the only begotten Son. The only begotten Son. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son. One and only begotten Son. Now that word Son of God can either imply a direct creation of God, a direct creation of God. That is why you see whenever the genealogies are given in Genesis, or the genealogies were given in Matthew and Mark and Luke, you see them say the son. That, uh, you, you see them when they get to Adam, they call him the son of God. They might reach uh, uh, Seth, they will say Seth, the son of Adam. But then when they get to Adam, they say the son of God. Why? Because he is a direct creation of from God. Either that or you notice the angels you see whenever they gather they say the sons of God why because they are direct creations of God do you know why you and I how why you and I are called sons of God because we are direct creations of the Word of God of Christ Jesus the everlasting Father someone shout hallelujah! Because without Jesus, you and I do not have that privilege of being called direct creations of the spirit of the living God. So just raise up your hands and say, I am a direct creation of the living God. The breath of the Lord has birthed within me a new nature. I am alive in Christ. I am alive in Christ. So when Christ died, was buried, and rose again, this same Christ became the first begotten from the dead. The first begotten from the dead. So the anointed one that died and rose from the dead is also called the first begotten. The first begotten. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Do you know when he died? I repeat that. He died when he got to the cross. When he said, my father, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? At that point, when he took upon himself the sin of mankind, he lost contact with the father. And then he said, my father, why am I here in this position? Having lived my whole life being in fellowship with you. Now I'm seeing the death. That mankind has tested for eternities and time and time. So he said, why has thou forsaken me? That was the death he died. Before he finally gave up his ghost from his body. Death always starts as a spiritual exercise. Before it is seen in the physical. And so when he rose from the dead. He became the first person, having tasted death, separation from the Father, to be reunited with him. Hmm. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. It says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from, his, from our sins. It is in the raising from the dead that we are purged from our sins. It is in his resurrection power that we find a restoration with the Father between you and I. Hmm. Who is Christ? Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know the Father, you look at Christ. If you want to know who God is, you look at Christ. He is that image of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. So if you are saying, where is the Father? Where is the Father? Look at Christ. In John chapter 14, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, he was giving them his end-of-life speech. He was saying, I am going. I am going back. I am going back to where I came from. He proceeded from the Father, and he was saying, I am going back to my Father. And then Philip says, Show us the Father. Do you know what Jesus said? Do you know what Jesus said? Philip, have I not been with you so long? How can you not say, how can you now be asking me, show us the Father? He said, have I not been with you? Show us the Father. Philip says, have I not been with you? Show us the Father. Philip said, Have I not been with you? How can you be asking, Show us the Father? I'll repeat one more time. Philip asked, Show us the Father. He said, Have I not been with you for so long? Give me verse uh, 9. Have I not been with you for so long? All this time without you knowing me, Philip. The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you now be asking, show us the Father? You see the Father in Jesus. Jesus. If you want to see the Father, look at Jesus. If you want to know the Father, look at Jesus. If you want revelation about the Father, look at Jesus. If you want to have an understanding of who the Father is, look at Jesus. If you want to know God, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God will do and what the Father will do, Look at Jesus. If you want to know what the Father will say and how he will say it, look at Jesus. Hmm. So now what does it mean to gain Christ? Remember we said that Christ is a new creation. Firstly, becoming the first begotten son the only begotten son, and afterwards becoming the first begotten from the dead. And he is also the image of the invisible God. The representation of the father's will, desire, and nature. So what does it mean to gain this person? You see, Christianity is different from every other religion. That's why most people will say Christianity really is not a religion. Because in most religions, you are trying to do something to get him. But in Christianity, the father showed his love by coming down to man. He came down to man's level. He came down even in the form of man and said, this is who I am. I love you. So to gain him, what does it mean? Does it mean you strive to do something? Does it mean you begin to watch your words or watch your step? Does it mean anytime you meet someone you say, yes sir, yes ma'am, I want to please the Lord. You're laughing. There are some people that have done it. (laughs) Definitely not the person holding this mic. (laughs) You think that by doing those things, you're earning, they call it brownie points, with the Lord. What does it mean to gain Christ? Enter into Apostle Paul. Let us look at Philippians chapter 3 again. Philippians chapter 3 again. Firstly, to gain Christ is to lose confidence in the flesh. To lose confidence in the flesh. Now, when he says in verse 8, he said in verse 8, more than that, I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, when he says everything or all things, you have to realize that he's not saying everything or all things. He's speaking about something he has spoken about in the preceding verses. Just as when you hear Apostle Paul say that I can do all things through Christ Jesus, He's not saying he can do all things. He was referring to something. Which was that whether he was in plenty or he had nothing, he had learned to abound. Then he went on to say, I can do all things. Which things? All these things that he has mentioned. Now when you see everything there, you have to ask yourself, what is Apostle Paul talking about? So in verses 5 to six verses five to six, Philippians three verses five to six, and he says, This I was circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of a Hebrew born of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal. Persecuting the church as the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. Verse 7. But everything that was gained to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. So you see here that Paul was talking about his heritage, his pedigree, his accomplishments. And he called all those three things the flesh. He called those three things the flesh. He called his heritage the flesh. He called his pedigree the flesh. And he called his accomplishments the flesh. But we see that when he was comparing it with Christ, he said he lost confidence in his heritage. Because of the gain of the heritage of Christ. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, As many as received him, he gave them the power to become sons of God. So he lost that heritage. I'm not going to boast about being of the stock of Israel compared to being a son of God. What what comparison? Now some of us can chip in. If you say, I'm a royal family person. That must be done. Why? You are a holy nation. A royal priesthood. A people called forth out of darkness into his marvelous light. A chosen generation. Compared to your heritage. Which one has value? only you can answer because it is always a personal decision it is always a personal decision but i know this for a fact that because the people seated here are here to receive the word of life you have chosen you have chosen you have chosen the excellence of christ Instead of confidence in his pedigree as a, as a Pharisee, his confidence was in the gospel of Christ. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says this, this. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Before he was a man of the law, now he was a man of the gospel. Hmm. Instead of his accomplishments and righteousness. Boasting that he was blameless before the law. Christ became his accomplishment and Christ became his righteousness. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20 says for he made him who knew no sin to be seen. Can you imagine? The father released himself into a womb and then made him That very same creation to become sin after being blameless all his life for the loving God. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. So just raise up your hands and say, I am blessed because I am the righteousness of God. Do you know what that means? It means when God thought of the word righteousness, he thought of you. Now, understand this. It's not that he's saying you will be righteous. He thought of you as being the righteousness of God. The moment you said I believe that Jesus died for my sake, was buried in the tomb for my sake, and rose again on the third day, because you believe that very fact, you at his righteousness. The very epitome of righteousness. There is no one here more righteous than you. Do you want to even get further? You cannot be more righteous than Jesus. Because, uh, resistance, you are not, more, you cannot be less righteous than Jesus. No one is shouting. You cannot be less righteous than Jesus. You and Jesus and brothers, when you get an orange and you release his seed into the ground, you always expect an orange to come from that seed. You were born from the seed of the word of God. Peter said that that seed is incorruptible. You are incorruptible. That is who you are. Amen. Jesus did a good job. He did a perfect job. Yes, he did. Excellent job. An excellent job. And you want to know the beautiful thing about what he did. He didn't need your permission. And he did not need your input. He did it out of love. That as many as received him He gave them the power to become direct creations of God. To become sons of God. That is who you are. Don't you understand the love of the Father? That is what love is. That he will bring you to where he is. That is the essence of salvation. The essence, the raw material of what we are living in. This thing is not fake, neither is it a joke. It is real. And it is the difference between eternity and the void of darkness. But it comes From knowing the truth, you shall know the truth. And the truth that you know will set you free. Because if you do not know the truth, where would freedom lie? But you see something beautiful. Wherever you see the spirit of the Lord, you see the truth. For wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And he comes to speak the truth. Said the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. What does it mean to gain Christ? Number two, it means to recognize the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. When compared to Christ, your pedigree, accomplishments, everything that is tied to the flesh, that makes you look good in the mirror, must be done. And when you look at the mirror, the only person that you should see is Christ. The only person that you should see is who? Jesus. Second Corinthians. So, I'll raise up your hands and say, I will never boast in me. But I will boast in Christ. I have been crucified in Christ. It is no longer I that lives but Christ that lives. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the one who died for me and gave himself for me. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that live. Do you know that anyone that sees you, anyone who has an open eye that sees you, sees Christ? Do you know that anytime you approach the Father, you do not approach the Father in any other standing except Christ. That is why he says that we should come with boldness. Not because you have not lied or you have not done anything. But because you are in Christ. Now, when you get to Christ, he gives you the power to live right. But never let that get into your head. Always remember that it is the grace of God, the ability of God at work in you, propelling you to please the Father and give a good testimony in the midst of the spirits of just men made perfect and the angels that the Lord has placed in our midst. It is always by the enabling power of the Lord. Always by the enabling power of the Lord. second Corinthians chapter 3 we're going to be reading from verses 12 to 18 and he says this therefore having such a hope we use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face you see when, when, when Paul was talking about Not having a righteousness of his own. He was basically saying, before, what I used to do was walk in pomposity because I was blameless before the law. But then he had to let it go. You see, you can never be between two opinions. You can never hold the two together. You have to leave one for the other. You will either be a lawman or a spirit man. You will either walk in the flesh or walk in the spirit. Remember, he called the heritage, the accomplishments, his pedigree, the flesh. So you have to leave one for the other. And so what he's saying here, verse 13 says, And are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face, so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. When did this happen? Moses had just spent some time in glory. And so, when he came before the Israelites, he did not know that the effect of the glory that was penetrating his body had changed his appearance. And so, his face was glowing. So, what did he do? He put a veil on his face. However, underneath his face, that glory was fading. But he left it there. But do you want to know the beautiful thing about it? Moses was only doing what he saw. Because when he was in that glory, the father told him, I will cover you from seeing the fullness of my glory. You only see the back part. So he repeated what he saw the father doing. So that's what he's saying here. He used to put a veil over his face. So that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. That glory was fading. But it then says in verse 14, But their minds were hardened. For until this very day, at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Because it is removed in Christ. You want revelation You look at Christ. You want veil to be removed. You look at Christ. Peter said, knowledge, knowledge, knowledge is the cure for blindness. He says, but to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, come on, shout, we all, we all, we all. As many as in the church, shout we all. As many as are blood bought, shout we all. As many as believe in the resurrection power of Christ, shout we all. With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are becoming transformed. Shout, I am transformed by the glory of the Lord into the same image. From glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So when you behold in the mirror, you are looking at the Lord and you begin to become transformed. Just as when Moses was dwelling in that presence, he began to reflect the glory. You and I, as we begin to focus on the Lord, we are reflecting the true nature, the true regeneration of the Spirit of God in a man. Someone shout, I am God in a man. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are the residential address of the Father. I did not say you are God. I said you are God in a man. God is living in you. says he no longer dwells in temples made with hands. What does it mean to gain Christ? It means to know him and to learn of him. Why must we learn him? Knowledge of him gives you faith in the Father's love. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Two, an in-depth understanding of Christ tells you why he came and what he accomplished when he came. You know what that does to you? It gives you faith. It gives you boldness. Recognizing the victory that he had was for you. He had you in mind when he faced the hordes of hell. See, the Lord had me in mind. The Lord had me in mind to your neighbor and say, the Lord had you in mind. When he faced the cross, he had you in mind. But you must learn him. See, in Christ there is victory. But that victory is the victory that he won. But we must learn. Knowledge of him tells you who you are. That's number three. Knowledge of him tells you who you are. Why? Because he was the firstborn. And understanding who the firstborn is tells you who you are. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet appeared what we will be. But one thing we know, we know that when he appears, we will be like him. When he appears, when the scroll is called up yonder, when the scroll is called up yonder, when the scroll is called up yonder, what a day of rejoicing that would be. Why? Because he would have rolled the sky. When we look at him, when we hear the trumpet blast, whatever he is, that is what we all will become in an instant. Why? Because that is our true nature. 1 John chapter 4 verse 17. 1 John chapter 4 verse 17. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we in this world. But if you don't know how He is, how can you stand in boldness? How can you use that same authority? How can you be the light that he is? Because the enemy will always thrive in the place of ignorance. He always wants people to be in the dark. That's why you notice Apostle Paul, you know, writing things like, we do not want you to be ignorant of the wiles of the devil. So you want to know. That's why Paul was admonishing Timothy. He said study to show yourself approved. A workman that does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. He, he said rightly divided. And then... 1 Corinthians chapter 15, from verses 45 to 49. Remember, we're talking about knowledge of him tells you who you are. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. Turn to your neighbor and say, You are a life-giving spirit. You give life. You give blessing. I don't give death. And I don't give cursing. But I give blessing. It says, how be it, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. Then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth and made of dust. The second man is from heaven. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am from heaven. He says, like the man of the dust, so are those who are made of dust. Like the heavenly man, so are those who are heavenly. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the heavenly man. And you want to know the truth. Whenever you read the Greek, I try to do that sometimes. You read the Greek interlinear, all those uh, Bibles that have numbers, you will find out that that will is an insertion. It's not there. I say this because there are times when I'm reading the scriptures and I really want to know whether the person that wrote the scriptures wrote that word. So, what is really there is, and just as we have borne the image of the man made of dust, we also bear the image of the heavenly man. That will, if anyone here goes and brings the scriptures with the the Greek numbers, do you you guys know what I'm talking about? Where you have the Greek numbers. I don't read Greek. I just look at the numbers. The word will is not there. So I've noticed, even when you read uh, Peter, the same thing. Anything that makes you think you wait until the end, most of the time, is an insertion. It is a current reality. We also bear the image of the heavenly man. As we learn him, our minds are renewed. Into the mind of Christ, the consciousness of the new nature of God. The consciousness of the new nature of God. There is nothing compared to Christ, nothing compared to the knowledge of Christ. We must seek the truth. Because it is only the truth that you know that will bring you to the place of freedom. But that truth is always revealed by his spirit. And his spirit dwells in you. Amen. Someone just rise up on your feet and begin to thank the Lord for his mercy. For his mercy. For his mercy. Ah, Father, we bless your name. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We magnify your name. We bless you, O Lord. We bless you, O Lord. A cabra gashkat vaskebredo dosoto voskestebrega Raga Rada debrekoto sot voskestebrega.